Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Podcast episode 211. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. Chip. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, yo. We secured, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna save that for the one time for your mind. But I got okay. some, I got some okay. not breaking news. It's not being overly dramatic here, but I got right, some like uh, some people. some good some good news to share with the people. You know what I'm saying? Just something, something, a little something I accomplished in video game world this past weekend. Which okay. is not a big deal at all, but you know it's a big deal. It's, it's not. It's not going to be. <laughs> but yes, we, we we understand that. Uh, glad you are well. I had a good week. Would like to address the fact that last week on the show I had a little bit of a rant uh, with Dunkin' Donuts, and Dunkin' Donuts, being a good company they are, they reached out to me. They 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 were not pleased that I was uh, saying some things about their donuts, but in good customer service, they were like, "How can we take care of you?" Except I had a little problem because they said to me. Well, let us know the names of the stores that didn't have donuts. And I'm just like, I'm not really about snitching on those managers. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, right? Like, I don't know if I need to snitch on those managers because if I remember, both of the people that appeared to be managers in there were uh, some Brown brothers, and I don't necessarily want to do that to them. You know, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe the donuts wasn't there. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Dunkin' Donuts, they did reach out and they did respond to my DMs. Damn, I thought they were, I thought I thought you were, I thought this was gonna go in a different direction. I thought you were gonna say that they sent you donuts. Like nah, they that, sent you like a little care package of donuts. Nah, that could that that would have been that would have been good. I mean, again, <laughs> not for me, it's for my daughter. That would have been nice. Dunkin' Donuts to do that. But Dunkin' Donuts, if you listen to this again, you could uh you could send me some donuts. So you that, could sponsor this be, podcast. We will happily you, you know too. what I'm saying? Like we, we could do, do. Yo, I will listen, eat, donuts, I eat a strawberry donut, donut on the podcast. It's all good. I'm I'm sure you would. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm positive with you would. Uh a lot to get into this week. Uh, a lot was going on in the world of sports, but I thought there was one topic we absolutely had to talk about this week that involves everything that's going on with Brian Flores and the NFL. We will get to that in a second. To join us to talk about that. I thought there was nobody better to talk about it than our guy, Jamal Murphy. Uh, not only is he one of the great sports journalists, he is also a lawyer. So we can get down to how this can work legally with Ryan Flores filing a lawsuit against the NFL. Murph joins us now. Murph, what up? What up, what up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Good, man. Always, also, always good also like Brian Flores, went to Poly Prep. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? that is yep. right. So, like, did, did, y'all, did y'all cross pass at all? No, he was he's like a few years younger than me, so I'm he was I'm sure he was there, but we didn't we definitely didn't know each other. Yeah. Mm. All right. So that's it. I could have been teammates. You know what I'm saying? Like you play football. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I think he <laughs> been, I think he was probably like a I think he was like a freshman when I was a senior, something like that. Yeah. Mm. So y'all weren't on the same team? No. 
Y'all have a freshman uh, uh, team? Y'all one of those schools? Y'all had a JV? Yeah, they definitely had a... Yeah, there definitely oh weren't God. too many freshman football players on the on the football team. People need people who don't realize this because in New York you may not realize this, but people who may not if you have to have a lot of fucking kids if you're going to have a varsity and a JV football team or a varsity and a JV and a freshman here in New York, high school football is not the biggest thing in the world, so we usually just have just straight varsity uh, varsity yeah, teams. My high school doesn't even have a high school football team, so mine either. Yeah, They're too small. So, I've always said if we had one though, I'd be the kick returner. I've always said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had when, when I was there. We had a freshman team. I played freshman and JV as a freshman. I remember that football wise. Oh freshman wow, and JV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What you know funny? Uh, I played running back. I played uh, tight end. I played split end. And so, look at that. They're using Murph all over the place. Yeah, a lot of contacts. <laughs> I wanted. To, I wanted to play quarterback, uh, but you know they were like, "Nah." Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like you too big for that. That was, that was back in the day, you know. It wasn't. I don't think we had that revolution yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wait, that's I, wait, the theme of the wait, episode right there, baby. Wait, I black TV revolution yet? Okay, no, like, no, nah, bro. No. We got too many. We got too many white guys. We're not talented. We can put there. Oh my bad. I thought you said cornerback, and I thought it was because you would be too tall. But quarterback, no, quarter, oh, yeah. quarterback, quarter at Polly. Yeah, they wasn't letting you do that. Not, not, not back in the uh, the. Was that in the mid to late nineties? Nah, they doesn't let you do that. Nah, man, not, not happening at all. <laughs> that, was uh, my, that was my natural position too. Even in basketball, <laughs> my my best uh, skill was passing. So I'm sure you know football would have been would have been nice. Yeah, but they didn't they didn't think that uh, they didn't want to give you the opportunity, nope. uh, Murph. They didn't want to give you the opportunity. Speaking of not giving people opportunities, let's talk about Brian Flores. Uh, Brian Flores uh, came out. When was this Monday? First of all, let's do this. Shout out to Brian Flores because what he did that was great, he was like, man, I'm going to get Black History Month started off right. Tuesday. Salute. Tuesday, February mm-hmm. 1st. Got it started off right. Salute to you, brother. Let's get it done. So Brian Flores suing the NFL uh, and three teams in a class action lawsuit, alleging discrimination regarding his interview process with Denver and also New York after his firing uh, last month by Miami. It's a 58-page lawsuit. was filed in Manhattan Federal Court last Tuesday. Uh, February 1st, and seeks class action status. Uh, my reaction to this, guys, at first, and Murph, I want to hear your take. My reaction was like, okay, it's the NFL. I'm not surprised there's discrimination. I'm not surprised coaches have been discriminated against. We've talked about this before in this podcast, how ridiculous it is about black coaches not getting opportunities time and time again. And there's only one black head coach right now in the league. That's Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Um, Murph, were you shocked by this? Because I wasn't shocked by this. It just seemed like another day in the NFL and somebody actually decided to say something about it and take legal action. Yeah, I was shocked by it in terms of like actual legal action that was taken. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, The fact that it was Flores was also shocking to me because at the time I knew he had or you had been hearing in the press that he had other uh, interviews coming up with the Saints and the Texans. So I, and even though I would have been surprised if he got hired also, just because of the, you know, the racial dynamics in the NFL, um, I still thought, you know, there was an outside chance he would get one of those. So it was shocking to me that, that a lawsuit was actually filed, you know, because of this, because we haven't seen that ever. And also it was shocking to me that it was him because I thought out of anybody, he was the guy who might've had a chance to get a job uh, this, this cycle. So, yeah, you know, I, I can't lie. I was definitely shocked. 
No, I can see the sh- I can see the shock into that because he still was interviewing for other jobs, as you said, and he and to some measure, Murph, he had something to lose in that yeah. regard there, right? Because he's putting that line. Did that also? We could talk about shocking, but that also make it more impressive to you that he is going forward this because he actually has something to lose here. Yeah, it was. It's impressive. I mean, the whole thing. You know, I'm I'm definitely behind Flores. I mean, he's he's making claims that are obvious, like anybody who's watching knows that this is happening. Um, so, and I think, you know, he does deserve a lot of credit for putting himself on the line um, and taking this, you know, the legal route. The only thing is, you know, like you mentioned before, how the case the case comes out on Black History, you know, the first day of Black History Month. And I looked at that, like, and it, because even in the complaint, the lawyers uh, talk about it. They mention it in the complaint. You know, this is the first day of Black History and we're doing this. It made me wonder, like, was that part of the plan? Was that part of the show that they were trying to do? Because I, I looked at it like, even, let, let's say, you know, he, he we know he's we know he's being discriminated against. All that he knows that he's mad. He could have gone through the process. He could have let the process play out. He could have gotten hired. You know, you know, hypothetically, he could have gotten hired by Houston uh, or some, you know, or New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Let's say he gets hired, and then he can still uh, file suit against the NFL. And then they wouldn't be able to fire him because because it would be obvious retaliation. So that to me was like, you know, I didn't understand. That's another reason I didn't understand why he did it when he did. Um, Because, you know, if let's say he does get a job, he could have been even more secure in in suing the NFL because then you cannot fire somebody because they did that. That's that's obvious retaliation. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in one way you can look at it and be like, it's more, and people have thrown around this word, so I've been trying to be careful with it, more brave of him because he's doing it without the security of the bag and guaranteed contract and all, all, all that stuff. But I, in a way, I think about what you're saying, Murph, and I wonder if it would have made more of a point or more of a, for lack of a better term, more of a fuck you to the NFL to be like, yeah, I'm in this position and I'm suing you. What you going to do? Right, like, like maybe there's there's nothing you could do. Brian, were you shocked by this at all in in any way, um, or, or, or did it shock you at all? And were you impressed by the fact that Flores actually did this to kick off Black History Month? Yeah, I didn't expect. I didn't necessarily. I wasn't out here thinking like, oh yeah, when Brian Brian Flores gets fired, he's going to sue the NFL. Like I didn't think about it in that context, right? But. The the not shocking part was just sort of parsing through the details of which there are, there's a lot of, and it's not mm-hmm. even just Brian Flores because it extends to, first of all, it extends beyond just his tenure because before he even took the Dolphins job, he recounted the situation with the Denver Broncos in which they're accusing of the Denver Broncos, John Elway, and uh, the other dude who's, you know, insert white guy here, uh, who's like a president of the team or whatever. And accusing them of being inebriated, and and then the de- John Elway actually copped to like, yeah, I didn't sleep well the night before, or something along those lines, which is actually kind of telling in a way. Um, and then you also see like Hugh Jackson, and we remember those Cleveland Brown years, but they started off one and thirty-one after two seasons, and then he gets fired the middle of the next season, where I think they were two five and one. Uh, but. You know, he says that he may join the class action lawsuit because he haven't. And that's the thing that I'm sort of waiting for in all this, guys. It's like, for me, when are other people going to, because it hasn't happened yet, at least publicly, when are other coaches like, y'all aren't going to just leave Brian Flores out here, right? Like, it's Hugh Jackson. 
had spoken out. Marvin Lewis came out and said that he had a, a, a token interview with the Carolina Panthers at one point before I think he even took the Bengals job and went on a long run there. But like, we know a lot of black coaches, like we know this, a lot of black coaches have dealt with this in the NFL. So I'm wondering like, when is it, maybe they're gathering something to sort of make the announcement. They're going to do it the, the week of the Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. But that's the next step of this that I want to see is how many people are going to get behind Brian Flores and try to push this because it's class action lawsuit, meaning that you're anticipating you're going to have a lot more people there than just this one guy so far. Yeah, I think all the stuff is going to be interesting, especially the stuff about what he talked about with Denver, what he talked about with Stephen Ross in Miami, who we'll get to that in a, in a second there. Uh, but I want to move to the NFL's response to this lawsuit because immediately they responded and they said that Flores' claims were, quote, without merit, right? That was their immediate response. Uh, on Tuesday, obviously the teams of Flores' names, they denied, denied, denied. And then on Saturday, you had the NFL, Roger Goodell, issued a memo that he released on Saturday to assess the hiring process and basically said the hiring processes in terms of diversity have been unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. They're going to reevaluate and examine all the policies, guidelines, initiatives relating to diversity, equity, inclusion, including as they relate to, gen- to gender. And, you know, Brian, uh, excuse me, Brian Flores, Roger Goodell said a whole bunch of stuff. Murph, what did you think about Goodell's response here? Brian Flores' lawyers came back and said, this is the same playbook they've always been using. This is a PR stunt. What did you think of the response by Goodell? And does it mean anything? I mean, yeah, their lawyers are probably correct. It, it, you know, the NFL and Goodell have been doing this for the past few years. Uh, you know, at least giving lip service to to the problems that exist. You mentioned the the original response, you know, the, the to the to Flores's complaint by the NFL, and where they said there was absolute, there was no merit. It was kind, of, you know, I, I felt like that was poorly done. Um, of course, the NFL has to kind of deny um, any kind of legal claims against them. So I get that, but they could have massaged it a little better, you know, and acknowledged that there are issues because, like you said, they, he had to do that anyway in the memo he sent out. And we all know that the NFL has been trying to deal with this, or at least outwardly looking like they've been trying to deal with this for a while. So, um, you know, as far as as far as the memo goes, it's it's probably it is lip service, but it's something the NFL had to do. Uh, and what they what they said in the memo is the truth. You know, we know that there that there are issues, and that each team has to improve, and and they have to they have to be better with this issue. So, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn, and I go both ways with it. Um, it's something they had to do, but at the same time, until until we see real change, then it's lip service. Yeah, I I agree, and you know, I think it should be noted that in the memo they talk about what they should do. But there's no actual plan for this, right? And we don't know when they'll see that we'll see in this plan. And I think the NFL, and I think this goes a couple of years ago, they thought that, you know, once they put inspired change and end racism on the helmets, that, you know, this was going to do a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, he said the efforts fell short. I'm just, the way I look at it, looking at the NFL, since the Rooney rule has been implemented, I don't think there's been much effort at all, guys. Like, what's what's been the serious effort that we've seen? You know, Murph, you said this, I think this was two years ago. We almost had you on this podcast when we were up in the studio. And you were talking about the Rooney rule doesn't work. It's It's been a failure. We said this two years ago. A lot of us, we knew this. We we understand what's going on. 
Brian, you brought up the fact that other coaches have to join in on this fight. They have to have a voice. they got to say something. Hugh Jackson came out and, and said some things and said people don't understand that I tried to sound this alarm. Uh, Brian, I know you want to talk a little bit about that with Hugh Jackson. Uh, what did he say, and, and how do you think that Hugh Jackson can help the cause with Flores and other black coaches? I mean, he came out and said this. He said this on – he made like a couple appearances, I think, on ESPN that day, and one of them was at 6 o'clock Sports Center. Obviously, if you're going to be on six o'clock Sports Center, like you know, people are going to have their gripes with uh, ESPN in general. But like that still means something, right? So for him to say that there, I thought that was pretty telling. That's why I quoted it in a piece I did on this, an analysis I did on this on Latino Rebels that I'm looking for the quote right now. But yeah, I think that more coaches like Hugh Jackson, not to just like come out and say these things, they have to actually like join this suit, right? And that's the only way it's going to be. <clears throat> legitimized. So he Hugh Jackson was like Hugh Jackson was like, look, I went to arbitration in this case against the Browns where I didn't win anything. And this is what he said on ESPN, quote, people don't understand that I try to sound the alarm. He says he wasn't offered a hundred thousand for every game, but there was a substantial amount of money made within what happened in this situation uh every year at the end of it. I can prove anything and everything that I'm saying. The National Football League knows I can prove anything and everything that I'm saying. Uh, and he said when went on to say that he would join a class action lawsuit if necessary. So it's like, yo, if you have that evidence, right, like maybe maybe he's trying to lawyer up and gather it right now, guys. I'm not sure. Uh, Murph, uh, you could probably speak to this, but these kind of things I would imagine maybe take some time. But I guess I would ask now, why haven't we sort of seen that yet to go back to that point? Like, why just, haven't we seen people? And just to be clear for people that Brian was referencing one hundred thousand dollars. Brian Flores uh, allegedly said that Stephen Ross, Miami Dolphins owner, yeah, was yeah. offered to pay him $100,000 to lose games on purpose. Just I just want to be clear. So Which I don't even that. think – was there a denial when Stephen Ross released his statement? I mean, like, he, I wasn't denied, sure. he denied everything. He, did, he denied uh, everything. I wanted yeah, to know if there was a the, the lot. Stephen Ross, classic. by the way, who I think is an investor of the Action Network, you know what I'm saying, a betting platform, as – football is arm in arm with gambling and sports betting as you know everyone is at this point because it's so intermingled i mean like i think that's the interesting part of this too right it's not even just like he offered a hundred grand you know which is bad on in itself but it's also like dude as gambling is going on like this is what like some tim donahue shit almost well there's that's another interesting angle because if he is found guilty and murph out you would you can get in this and legal stuff too that brian was bringing up if he's found guilty he's gonna lose his team like he ain't keeping that team like you're affecting the bottom line of the league integrity of the game and brian brings up a great point in intertwined with gambling but with hugh jackson if somebody like hugh jackson and he sounds confident murph that brian was saying has stuff that he says he can prove and has gone through some of the same thing as Flores, another black coach that was asked to throw games, how much of a help would that be to this lawsuit? It would be a help. Like you said, it's a class action suit, so they are they are hoping that they get other class members, which, you know, which means other people to join the suit. I would look at uh, Hugh Jackson as probably you know, the one likely person that'll do that. Remember... Uh, I think, you know, if you have anything to do with the NFL, if you're still trying to coach in the NFL, I could easily see those coaches being uh, too scared to to join this class action. Um, if, you know, we've already, people are already uh, talking about how, oh, you know, 
uh, Flores will never coach again in the NFL. And you, you keep hearing people say that. So I would assume that other people within the NFL, assistant coaches, et cetera, who, who have had sham interviews and, and you know, evidentiary wise might be able to help Flores. In reality, probably do not want to jump off the roof with Flores here because they they know if they or they think if they do that they'll never get another opportunity. So Hugh Jackson, who was you know coaching at Grambling State, um, he's kind of given up his NFL coaching dreams. It seems like for now he is the type of guy that's going to join, you know, that, that probably join the, the class action. So I, that's what I think the problem is. That's why you, you're not you, you know you don't see all these coaches. Mm-hmm backing up Flores because as we said, Flores, it took a lot of courage for Flores to do this. We've never seen this before. So Flores is probably one of a kind, <laughs> you know, that's, that's willing to right. put himself out there like this. But I, I, Brian, you might be able to speak to this, but I can Murph this too, but it's just like, isn't that sometimes a problem with progress and real change for you see, you know where I'm going with this Murph, mm-hmm. right? Is that we can't all be united on this like that I thought that was a lot of the thing with Kaepernick too it was this moment in time for players to unite with Kaepernick on this and realize there is some power I said this on this podcast there was some power right you can't play without the players on the field 70% of the league is black y'all need us right like they need us you can't coach without these coaches and let's not act like there isn't racial lines in coaches we know who gets the black coaches what jobs they get you know the black coaches are coaching the defensive backs, the linebackers. You know what the black coaching jobs are. We all know. And you know black coaches out there are coaching the offensive line. Show me them. We know this, right? Like, so why did black – It's all. I'm a, I'm a little – maybe I'm just asking a question to be out there, but I'm kind of like, yo, why can't we unite on this? And, and what we're seeing is Brian brought up Hugh Jackson, right? We got Hugh Jackson. Marvin Lewis also spoke on this as well, too. Said the Panthers interviewed him knowing they hired John Fox. But Murph, I would think you would say there's no shock to this. We know there's been sham interviews going on. So do you think it do you think it adds any more validity? Like you said, we're not having current people trying to pursue NFL coaching jobs. If we have guys who are sort of, for lack of a better term, has beens, right? Right. Yeah. Does, no, of, of does that kind of hurt the validity of it in a way? Or or does it not? It I mean, it would help the validity if like you said, if you had current NFL coaches jumping in, but you already gave the answer of why that doesn't happen. It's the exact same thing as what happened with Kaepernick, where other players, you know, wouldn't, you know, even if they agreed with him, they weren't willing to take those, take the similar steps. And remember, it's not just, you know, the average player, you need the big time players. You need, and you also need Mm. non-black players. You you know, you've heard people say this, you know, for, you know, especially with the Flores situation, but even with Kaepernick, we we said all this before. So, you know, we know the reasons why, and yes, and yes, it does hurt. Um, but that's, you know, the NFL is good at what they do. You know, they, they, they've already shown that they are going to seek revenge on, on whoever, uh, you know, goes after the shield and everybody knows that. So, so there's a chilling effect to, you know, everybody's scared to speak up. Everybody's scared to speak up. So Brian, you heard the, the Marvin Lewis, Lewis had these comments about, you know, knowing the Panthers, uh, it was a sham hiring John Fox. And we should tie this back to uh, Brian Flores because a lot of one of the major things from this lawsuit that was revealed was that Brian Flores had a text exchange with Bill Belichick where Bill Belichick thought he was texting Brian Dable, now the new head coach of the Giants. And before Dable was offered the job, it appears as though 
Bill Belichick spilled the beans that Dable was getting the job before Flores even got to have his upcoming interview. So that's not a good look, which shows you more of the shams that I think Murph and I have said that we already knew. Uh, then uh, we we see minority coaches talk about this, right? Ron Rivera comes out and talks about this as well. Uh, and he spoke I have on a quote Flo- here too. On, on Flores. Yeah, and, it, and again, so a non-black coach has talked about this, but it's also a fellow minority. Mm-hmm. Where are these white coaches on this? But let's talk about what Ron Rivera said. What did you think about what he said, B? Yeah, so I'm a re- he's like, this is a, this is Ron Rivera's quote that I got uh, that I also put in the story. This was said to, I think, ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, ESPN, that's right. This is a very accomplished coach, he said, talking about Brian Flores, obviously. Uh, if you put his resume and took his name off, and changed the team he coached for and grew up with and put it on the table and looked at all the resumes. Brian Flores is the type of resume you point at. Let's judge on merit. Leslie Frazier is the type of resume you point at. Eric Bieniemy is the type of resume you point at. Why? Because the merit. Uh, these guys deserve opportunities. They deserve a chance. And to me, that's what the Rooney Rule stood for. It's a chance to open a door and get your foot in, and then, and then merit uh, would speak for itself. Uh, that's the issue here, that we're not going off merit, basically, is what he's saying. And I think, Dexter, you made an interesting point, too, before when you were just talking about this, where you're talking about, like, and Murph did as well, highlighting that while a lot of people agreed with Colin Kaepernick, a lot of people didn't want to put themselves out there. It's kind of like, hey, we need change. You go ahead and do it. And it's like, yo, we're not really going to get anywhere if that's the case. Like, in any industry, no matter what it is, there's something else I noted in the piece that I wrote. Like, there were a lot of other people who... Well, not a lot of other, but a good amount of other people who in solidarity like would tweet out things like Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints said, oh, Brian Flores is going to change the league. Darius Slay was in support of him. Robert Griffin noted something. Devin McCourty, who played under Brian Flores while Brian Flores was an assistant with the New England Patriots and Ron Rivera being the only coach. But the, it's like it's not even enough to just say these sort of things. And I know a lot of what I'm talking right. about are players. Right. But like. It would be nice if, again, the coaches would like come with the support. I'm still, I still think that it's possible. Like, I'd be shocked. I'd actually be shocked if they just left them out here on an island. And then it's like, yo, if that's the case, I don't see how this is going to change, right? Like, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. So, I'm giving it Super Bowl week, and we'll see what happens uh, from there. Because I do think Super Bowl week, I wouldn't be surprised if any time Monday, Friday, shit, even the day of the Super Bowl, if we just see it. Just, you know, all, all these coaches, like, come out. Like, that would be some gangster shit if that shit gets announced, like, Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Because then Monday the conversation would be interesting. It's like, yeah, the Super Bowl happened. We kind of got to talk about this other shit, too. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's probably what yeah, you're thinking, but. Yeah. So. Mur- Murph, I don't know if you're with me. Maybe we're being uh, super pessimistic, but I'm like, no, nah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I wish it would. I'm with, Brian, I'm with you. I want to see it happen. But Murph, you think something? Like I'm that's just saying, yo, if Brian, real quick, Murph, if Brian Flores was like, yo, because I listened to a Levitar show when they talked to one of the lawyers, and Levitar asked them, was this strategic? Like, did you do this on pur- like purposefully mm-hmm. on the first day of Black History Month? And the lawyer didn't say like, yeah, we did it because it's Black History Month, but at the same time, it wasn't lost on them that that's the case. He also highlighted that let's remember all this is happening now. Like, what's the good in waiting, right? because you're doing it during a coaching cycle now. It's like, it's not like if this happened in March, you were going to wait 11 months to do it <laughs> and do it next Black History Month, right? So I thought I think there's some sense of that. But yeah, go ahead, Murph. No, what's the question? 
Well, do, I was asking, <laughs> I was asking, do you think this is? Do you think that can happen? What Brian said with the coaches uniting, making a statement mm-hmm. on something like Super Bowl Sunday. Do you think that's likely? But I think the first step is you got to get a lot of people to unite and do this. And I think we don't. We both feel that's been a problem. Not this, and I want to say this is not isolated to NFL coaching, but within the black community and actually using their power. And also, Murph, how long does it typically take where somebody starts a class action lawsuit? Like, is it is it common to wait a while until a lot of people, you know, give or loan their support? Or is it an overnight type of thing? Let me throw that in there. I th- yeah, I think it's all, you know, it's different situations. I mean, sometimes class action suits, they come in with a whole bunch of people already in the class. Um, mm. So, you know, it, or it could take it could take a long time or, you you know, like in this situation, I think they're just trying to, trying to you know, build up enough publicity so other people do join the class. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of pessimistic about it also for for the reasons I talked about earlier in terms of, you know, coaches who who are who are coaching in the NFL who still have goals of of uh, getting jobs in the NFL. Uh, they you know they they've been they've been part of the NFL their whole lives. They played. Now they're coaching, you know, it's almost like, it's not like a regular uh, profession where, you know, you could, you know, you, you leave this profession, go to another profession. Like so a lot of the times this is all that these coaches know. It's the only thing they really could do to make, you know, decent money. So it's also unlikely that, you know, somebody in that position is going to risk it all. Uh, and, that's, and that's what made, that's what makes the Flores situation, you know, so courageous. So I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm pessimistic about other a bunch of other coaches jumping in. Uh, in terms of players, I do think, you know, we're gonna, you know, the players have the power. A lot, you know, the big name players have the power. Are th- will they do anything? You know, will you know? It's the Super Bowl. You mentioned, you know, coaches coming together before the Super Bowl. Will the play? Can the players in the Super Bowl do anything? Can they at least, you know, I mean, in the past, you know, they joined arms or whatever. Are they gonna do Ugh. anything? You know, we know, we know the, we know the, we know the owners. You know, they hate being embarrassed. Like that's like one of their number one things. So the players could at least try to embarrass the league somehow, uh, you know, before the Super Bowl. But they never, we've never seen that before either. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic about the whole thing. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over/under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Hard to Tell Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code Backpack. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. I'm pessimistic with you, Murph. And you talked about the owners do hate being embarrassed, right? Like these these billionaire owners, mostly white men, hate being embarrassed, right? Like we know that, but embarrassment does not has not forced change. Right. Like they did not like kneeling for the national anthem and people had their ridiculous reasons for not liking that. But it didn't inspire change. It didn't end racism. We all knew this wasn't going to happen. But 
I, the, the biggest thing that I see is like, this is still occurred. And if you look at some of the hires that have come after the lawsuit, it's the same thing. It's continuing to go. You know, the NFL is just acting like they don't care. I, I have not seen the NFL actually don't care. We talked about this already. There's no white voices on this. Not one white coach in the league has come out and said anything on this of any substance, right? Where's the white players? Aaron Rodgers, where are you? You get a lot to say about COVID. Right. Where, where are you at? Real well, quiet he, he, hates, he hates the woke crowd now. Yeah, now, now, yeah, he hates the woke crowd now. I guess this is too woke, but, yeah. but, but what, whatever. Uh, Brian, you also wrote the piece that you talked about on Latino Rebels, and you also said that uh, Flores doesn't have to be a perfect martyr here. And Murph, you know this. People are going to try to dig up stuff on Flores and be like, oh, well, Flores wasn't this, or he wasn't that good of a coach to the man stuff. You know, the same thing they try to do with Cap. Cap wasn't that good of a quarterback. Right, right. You know, the same right. the same right. tired playbook. Uh, Brian, you brought up that point, and I thought it was a good one. Why do you feel so important to bring up the fact that he doesn't have to be a perfect martyr, or he even has to be looked at a martyr in this at all? Like, I think it's fair to say that. He, didn't, he doesn't have to be a martyr. He just has to be a guy who's like, this is wrong. Because of the reasons you're outlining, you know, usually when a black dude comes out and is calling some shit racist, people are going to try to pick apart things in his character, like how they did with Colin Kaepernick, how they're like, oh, he had white parents. He was adopted. You know, he this, this and that. He grew up around a white family. How does he know anything about any of this and whatever? And, oh, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. The team was, what, four and 12 or whatever it was. And Sure, he had 16 touchdowns and four interceptions, but his completion percentage was low. Like, that's really it. Like, they're going to pick apart Brian Flores, and it's already starting. Shit, when, they, when the Dolphins were doing the smear campaign after he got fired, they were saying that he was difficult to work with, that he would ignore coaches for long periods of time. We don't know if any of that is true, because that's, you know, again, a lot of what we're talking about are accusations, right? But at the same time, they bring up those points. And you would see people be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, he deserved to get fired, even though he was the first coach since, like, Dave Wanstead to have back-to-back winning seasons as a Dolphins head coach, and Dave Wanstead was done in 2004. Like, sure, he went 24 and 25, but if you remember, and I noted this in that piece, too, before the 2019 season, we were talking about, yo, are the Dolphins going to win a game? Like, they were that bad on paper. I remember Mm -hmm. they were awful. The projections were all across the board. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL. They lost their first two games. It was like 59-10 and 43-0 or something along those lines. And then Dominique Foxworth said what they're doing is morally reprehensible. Um, And they were just putting out a bad product on the field. And then they won five games later that year, including five of their last nine. And they beat the New England Patriots uh, to end the season which was Tom Brady's last regular season game with the Patriots. And then they had that embarrassing loss to the Tennessee Titans, I think it was, in the playoffs. And then he ended up going to Tampa Bay. And then the year after, they won 10 games and didn't make it to the playoffs. They were very close. And then this past year, they lost seven straight games. They had injuries, COVID, all this shit. And then they won seven straight games at one point, the first team to ever do that. And they finished above 500. 24 and 25 is, you know, just three years. First of all, we know that black coaches aren't given the rope. Uh in the NFL, like we nope. know that it shit in sports, period. You know what I mean? Like they just did it with David Culley in Houston. He got one season. Yo, we're gonna pay you a fuck ton of money. We're gonna do this for one year. We're gonna buy yep. you out. You're gonna deal. Just put up with all this shit. No Deshaun Watson, whatever. And we're just gonna let you go. And it's like 
that's sort of the position that black coaches are put in. It's the same thing with black people or Latinos or whatever. And you're like in any other situation, it's like, yo, don't quite have the resources for you, but we can give you this. And then maybe a year or two later, you're out the door. And then that's sort of it. You're settling. So I think it's important to note, like he has the, the face we need. He has the name Flores. He's from a Honduran family. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, he has all the, and he clearly has a passion to want to do this, right? And he has, shit, he has good lawyers too, uh, from what I've researched. So, like, that's the main thing here is that he's the right person for right now. No, he's not fucking perfect. Neither is Colin Kaepernick, and neither is no one, no martyr, quote unquote, that we've had in American history is perfect. So, look. Or any we, person we just, walking the earth. We, we just need, right, we just need people to, if you if we're actually going to see change here, as I've been saying this whole episode, uh, we just need people to get on his side. Otherwise, look, I don't I don't know where you go from here, if that's the case. It's going to be same old shit, and then y'all can't be mad about it if you don't do anything about it now. I don't care. And, uh, and also, this is like when you when you look at, you know, why people are paying attention. This is, you know, it's a sports story. Um, coaches, this, this is the same thing that happens in every profession uh, to people of color. They are treated yeah. differently. Yeah. Right. And and the thing the thing about sports in this situation is we can actually it's it's more transparent because we can see we know what their qualifications are. We know what, you know, unlike other professions where you don't really know the you know, how how good he is at his job or it's hard to calculate it. But here we can actually see, oh, this coach had this record. You know, this mm-hmm. this coach had a winning team. This you know, mm-hmm. this, he did this and that. This quarterback put up these numbers, you know what I'm saying? And you're still, and you're blackballing him. Like, this is why, you know, this is why sports is, is perfect because it's imperfect everywhere else. Like everywhere else, like if it's a, yep. if it's a lawyer, a law firm and, and he gets fired, he can't make partner. There's no record. Everything is subjective, but here we, we can actually, it's like plain sight that you're doing this to, to black people. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, that's why sports you know, there's so much passion around issues like this because it's something that we can actually see. We see the racism yeah. clearly. Murph, I love that you brought that up and talked about seeing the racism. And I think when you shed a light on that and talk about that and why it's beautiful to be used in sports, it also is kind of disappointing because it tells you like, damn, they really don't give a fuck. Like they really <laughs> out, like they're like, yo, the numbers are out here and what? Right? Like, I've been we saying don't this here at all. I've been saying this to me, the NFL is like the Republican Party. You know what I'm saying? They're the, they just blatantly, they just don't care. Like blatantly racist, you know, almost like vengefully racist. Like if you if you dare say something about it, they're gonna they're gonna do something even worse. You know, mm. no no representation. One black coach. You know what I'm saying? Just like what is there? One Republican senator. It's like the it's the same thing. So I, I tweeted that the other day. Like the NFL is basically Republican Party when they're in control. So watch how you vote. Uh, in, this, in these midterm elections, be careful. You got to be careful. I did. I really do think there's something to the fact that they're just out there like that. And, and another thing you hit on, Murph, that I thought was really good is you're right that this is in every sector of America, any job you've worked in. Um, I've spoken. Brian knows a lot about this. But I haven't spoken too publicly about this, but the last place I worked out for employment, when I spoke out about some things there that was wrong, incorrect, and stuff like that. You know what those you know what those people did? Kind of similar to Brian Flores. We will pay you to go away so you don't have to say anything. That's what happened. I can get into deeper into that at another time. But I've experienced that myself in my career as a black man, where I've seen things that were unfair. I've spoke out against it at my job. And what's striking to me, like the NFL, is when 
companies basically will look at your face and be like, we don't care. We don't even want to discuss this with you. I've had situations where I've complained about things and asked, hey, can we discuss this to make this a better work environment, to make it better? And pretty much the white folks, we'll call it out what it is, the white folks in power are just like, nah, <laughs> we don't want to do that. And that's the same as the NFL here. There's nobody coming out and saying we don't want to do it. One of the things I think that should be noted, guys, in Roger Goodell's statement, it's not like he goes and addresses what Flores says and says, hey, this is, we take this allegations very seriously. We're really going to look into this. We don't think there's any place for this. You know what I mean? They, they dismiss them as it doesn't have merit, which happens for a lot of black people, happens to a lot of women in a lot of places, just easily get dismissed. Like, just think about it. There's a class action lawsuit and they're like, what? We're the NFL. This is, what, what are you going to do to us? So with that being said, all that, the million-dollar question for you, uh, Murph, is can Flores win this lawsuit versus the NFL? Is it possible? Does it matter if he even wins or not? Right. I was going to ask that. Does he need to Does he even need to win? Is he winning in the court of public opinion, which is probably the minority court of public opinion, meaning minorities? Um, but do you can he win this lawsuit against the NFL? Uh Anything's possible, but it, it'd be very, very tough. He not only, you know, he's he has to have a lot of evidence, um, which is always hard to come by in these kind of cases. You need like an absolute smoking gun in these discrimination cases. You have to show that the own pretty much the only reason you didn't get the job is because of your race. There can't be any other valid reasons that the employer used. Um, this is something that the, the right wing Supreme Court has made even harder, like the, the standards to win these type of um, discrimination cases got harder in 2020 based on a Supreme Court decision uh, to where, like I said, you have to show that racism is the only issue. Okay, you can't just show that that racism was part of the reason you you didn't get the job. You have to show that it's the only reason. And and so basically you, you have to prove that everybody else they hired was was not qualified or that you know they had no reason to pick somebody else besides you and that's almost impossible to prove so this is going to be a tough case um even as far as what he said about Stephen Ross I mean what evidence does he have did, did he did he was he recording it on his cell phone because if it's just he said he said then you're you have a problem and we talked about before uh Stephen Ross denying everything to me mm -hmm. all these guys Elway came out and denied uh denied 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 the Giants everybody and to me the their argument was, who are you going to believe, me or the black guy? You know, that, that's basically what they're saying. So it's it's a tough, tough case to win. I think his lawyers understand that because, and I think that's one of the reasons the, the complaint reads like it does. It reads more like an article. I mean, they're calling, they're calling the NFL a plantation. You don't usually see things like this right. in, in complaints. I had to get to uh, paragraph 14 before they started talking about the facts. Um, so that's kind of an issue. And then you have you had Flores uh, going, you know, from 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 the jump, he was going on these uh, TV shows and he did the whole media run. So I think they understand that this is more about um, putting pressure on on the NFL from a public relations standpoint than they then. I mean, you can't possibly be confident that you're going to win this this lawsuit. You, um, and even if you get by summary judgment, which which is basically getting by a motion to dismiss, which the NFL, I'm sure, will file. Um, then there's a whole evidentiary stage and, and, and if, and before we got to any kind of trial, I'm sure the NFL would do everything they could to settle the case. So, I mean, it's a, it's a long haul. I think, you know, hopefully Flores underst understood this going into it. Right. Um, 
you know, change can be made as far as the question of whether he needs to win. No, he doesn't need to win if, if a, you know, enough waves are made and change actually occurs because of it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you answered that because I wanted to know what, if there was still value in it. I think there's value in the effort. I definitely think so. But I think a lot of it depends on what comes after that. And to the point we were talking about earlier, who joins him? Like, are other people really going to truly support him in this fight that have strong, relevant voices? So with that said, I guess that kind of leads to the final thing to put a bow on this, is that what needs to happen to achieve true diversity and inclusion in the NFL? I mean, the answer for me is pretty simple, right? Like, white people, you need to do what you need to do, right? Like, this is not on black people to, to get this done. But what do you think needs to happen with this going forward for us to see true change? And is it amendments to the Rooney rule? Is it something completely different? Like, what needs to happen, Murph? I mean, you know, other than direct quotas uh, to say we need this percentage of of, of uh, minority candidate, <laughs> so I don't because remember you you know that people laugh at that, but that's that's what they already have quotas. We have white male quotas, like you know, pretty pretty much ninety five percent have to be white males. Like that's the quota, like you know. So we already have that. People always talk about affirmative action, you know, reverse race, like. Affirmative action, that's what white people and white males have been benefiting on themselves for the, the history of the country. You know what I'm saying? So um, all we want to do is is help level the playing field to some extent. You know what would help if, if these teams, if these owners and teams really just truly cared about winning? You know, if they really wanted to just win huh. and that's all it came down to, you would you would have you would see a more diverse uh, coaching staff, you'd see more more black quarterbacks even. You know, uh, you know, we we always knew Kaepernick was better than many of the quarterbacks who were, you know, definitely all the backups and and many of the starters. Yeah. And teams didn't even they they were they cared more about being racist than they cared about winning. Yeah. So to me, like if you get some people in there who really just truly truly want to win, maybe give them a, a little lie detector test, you know, in, in the interviews <laughs> uh, in order to become an owner or a general manager. Like, is winning actually the ultimate? thing for you maybe we'd have more minority coaches and the like that's a good point i remember last year i was doing a sideline stories conversation with i was looking up the woman's name it escaped me dr stephanie k johnson she has wrote this is a white woman she's wrote this these books on diversity and inclusion and her whole point was through all this research that's been done there's research that actually proves that more diverse and more inclusive organizations are have much more success it is better for business it is literally better for business down to the dollar. And then when it doesn't happen, you ask yourself why. You're like, okay, there's facts out there to say this is better for business and people still wouldn't do it. That's how strong racism is, right? Like that's that's how strong racism is. That you are so racist that you would a rather not win on the field or rather not win in your pocketbook, right? Than rather see some black and brown folks get some money and some opportunities along with you. And that's what the NFL has shown this time. You're, Murph, you're, you're right. Until it comes down to the truth of the matter, where they actually have to answer the question, how much do you really want to win? Because if you really want to win, yeah, you might want to get some more black coaches. And it, I know this is a proven fact. Black coaches have a winning record overall in the history of the National Football League. Right. Like it's, I mean, they have to, too, because otherwise otherwise they're going to find every excuse possible. It's like It's like the same thing that your parents have told you. Yep. That my parents told me growing up where you just have to work harder than some of the white kids. You know what I'm saying? Like you just have to 
You just have to do things uh, differently, right. more and effective, it, whatever the case may be. You have to be that overachiever so that they can see it in good in you, so to speak. And, he, and even that's not enough. You know, look look at Eric Bieniemy, Um, And it's just, I mean, to me, he's the ultimate example. I mean, you know, he's he's the offensive coordinator for a team that made multiple Super Bowls and gets to the AFC Championship. This is like four straight four years. Four years in a row. Right, yep. four straight years with, with a, a, a great quarterback who was actually, you know, he wasn't a top – you know, one, you know, top five pick, but he's a great quarterback. Uh, meanwhile, you give it, you give jobs to people who get the, to white coordinators who get there once, you know, or don't even get there. Uh, you know, Dayball, he got to the, he got the great Josh Allen, who everybody's saying, you know, the great best quarterback in the game. He took him all the way to the divisional playoffs and lost, but, but he, but he deserves a job. He's a genius for getting some, a good quarterback to the divisional round. Meanwhile, the enemy gets a great quarterback to the Super Bowl twice and to the AFC championship four times. And, but, but that guy's better because he did it with, I don't, I don't even, I, there's no math to it. Right. Right. It. So, so right. Now, and yeah. and the, the mess up thing, and why I'm glad Brian said that, right. It kind of like, it kind of messes up everything, you know, your, your parents told you you got to be ten times as good. You got to be an exception. You got to be yeah. He was. He literally, <laughs> he literally was to the numbers. You got to be an exceptional ne- Negro. You got to be an exceptional Latino <laughs> man or woman. You got to do this, and then you're exceptional. And they sit there. And here's the thing with the enemy. He doesn't even get uh, interviews. Like when does his name come up for any interview job recently? Go tell he, me. He his just, name doesn't even he come just up. Got a Saints he, he just he got, got a Saints, Saints one. The Saints oh, also. Oh, the, hold, hold on. Hold on. The Saints also interviewed Brian Flores, and according to I don't know if it was the owner or the GM, but they said they were quote very impressed. Yeah, you know, as they should be, as they should, as they should be, because you know what, Murph, Murph just brought up all the numbers of what he did. You should be impressed in that. You know Looking what? at paper, you know what? Get me angry. Now that we're on that note, yes. the Miami Dolphins at the time of recording this just apparently reported they hired Mike McDaniel, who's biracial, is going to be their head coach. Just did that, okay. Mike McDaniel, who looks like logic. Um, you have yeah. So you don't you don't know you would know if he was black if you told him like I do yeah. right. That, that, but that's not even the point I'm going to. You have the Houston Texans, you have the New Orleans Saints. One of those organizations should just hire Brian Flores. They both interviewed him. Apparently, both liked them. Do it. Hey, just do it. Look, Have the look, balls and do it. Look, I know that's a. I know that's a lot to ask, look, and I know y'all gonna shake your heads nah, and be like, not. "No, I think it's not gonna happen." Know, but but you, know. you know what though? That, that like, not. I wouldn't say it's more important than all the play, all the other coaches like teaming up. Like all these things need to happen, right? But in terms of what I would like to see announced this week, one uh, A is the coaches joining Eric. Um, Brian Flores on the class action lawsuit. Number one, though, for Brian Flores to get a head coaching job. Then we're going to see something. I want to see the media cover that. Here's why, (laughs) Murph, here's why I have no faith in that happening, right? What we we know who the Texas owner is. Well, I'm just saying we have to look at, we got to look at recent history, right? All we got to do is look at recent history. We cannot forget that Colin Kaepernick won the collusion, settled, he settled, I should say, this was a won, settled in that collusion case, right? So there had to be something there, right, at a minimum, or, or the owners didn't want to go down into that fight. The owners have stuck together. We know they're going to stick together. Right now, Brian Flores is enemy number one. 
Mm-hmm. It, I don't trust that there's going to be some rogue owner that's going to do it because I haven't seen it. Oh, that would, that, would be, that would be so great. And especially because the Saints are paying like a hundred million or whatever to taste some fucking hill. That would be great if they could just, if he does, if he gets that job and then gets to taste some hill the fuck out of here. Oh, that'd be great. And the first <laughs> thing I do if I take the Saints coach. Listen, job, I'm not. Big ass contract for a gadget my, player. My point is, and Please. last before we wrap up, Murph, I don't trust the NFL owners to do the right thing because we have not seen them do the right thing, right? Like We, we haven't seen them do it yet. We're here still talking today after four years of Eric Bieniemy being an exceptional Negro, and they still <laughs> won't give him interviews. Right? And then like, everybody comes at you like then everybody comes at you all of a sudden real fast with all the reasons, or you know, all the racists come yes. at you with all the reasons why he doesn't. They're just ready to go. Oh, Yo. well, he doesn't call the plays. First of all, he's on uh, Eric. I mean, uh, Andy Reid is on record saying he calls plays. Yes. And so, what about the other two? Uh, offensive coordinators, white offensive coordinators who worked under Reed, who got jobs. Did did they call the plays? And, mm-hmm. uh, they also did you say that up- Reed called all the plays. Then you bring up, you know, some some uh, legals, like not even like you know convictions, but just cases he had back when he was in college. But he so he's good. But he's it's fine for him to have the current job he has. But he just can't be a head coach. Right, it, was like a, be a head coach. it was like a weed charge, or I don't remember what it was exactly. But I don't, I don't even know if traffic. Like, uh, suspended licenses in college, really? In college, right, yeah. Right. And, he, and, and again, and here's the and here's the other issue I have. Like Eric Bieniemy, by the way, former running backs coach, another job that white dudes probably don't get. Got to be black, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, but here's the thing, and here's the issue that I also have, right? And I know we're wrapping this segment up, this long ass segment, but like another uh, black head coach who's getting a lot of attention right now is Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich, former Same football thing. player. For a while, who was a very good quarterback at one point. I'm pretty sure he made it to a Pro Bowl or multiple Pro Bowls or whatever the case may be. Like, that's sort of the standard, right? It's like, oh, we're comfortable with you if you were a former player. You're seeing it on TV everywhere, every show. He he hasn't been hired. And and he had a whole year. You know, he just got – he just won a Super Bowl with Tom Tom Brady. You cannot imagine any other – Offensive court, any white offensive coordinator Same, having, having gone to having gone to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl with Brady and not getting not getting a job, they want to say, "Oh, he had he he was an offensive coordinator of a stacked team." Isn't that the? Isn't that how it's done? How, what McConnell? I mean O'Connell just got the job. Just got the job <laughs> in, in Minnesota, right? Oh, he doesn't have any talent with the Rams. I like that slip. <laughs> right. He doesn't, he doesn't have talent with the Rams. That's how you do it. Right all, right, all coordinators get hired for jobs after they just had a stack squad, whatever they were coordinator of, the defense or the offense, because that they had a great year and you get a job. That's how it works. But all, except, not, except, but not for Leftwich. Except if you're black, and not for the enemy, and not for the right? enemy. Okay. Except if you're black, you can be exceptional. You can have, you can coach exceptional talent. You can have the greatest quarterback that some people say of all time, and it still didn't land Byron Leftwich a job. Which and Byron Leftwich is his first time in the cycle. But and then people say the enemy. Oh, he doesn't interview that well. You you hit the nail on the head, Murph. They're telling on themselves. They make all the excuses as to why this mm-hmm. black person is not qualified his job. But then let it be the Giants who got named in the stuff. Who they who was their previous coach? They're, Joe Judge. That man ain't touched the offense or the defense. He was a special teams coach, and he yeah. got he got an opportunity. Yeah, he he did nothing. 
Like, nobody, and here's the thing. I wasn't saying that he was a bad coach, but nobody, see, again, this is the point that Brian's making too. You got to be exceptional when you're a minority, or you got to be an athlete and have been exceptional at a high level as an athlete just to get a look. We see this all the time in baseball. The black people who manage generally have played the sport. The, the white dudes who never played the sport at, at the major league level, they get managing jobs all the time. This is not exclusive to oh, the NFL. Yeah. Tony and it's La Russa, just, Tony La Russa, like 78, got a And they D- get multiple and chances. Then, yeah, yeah. They, and look, then look got the hired. Bas- look at the basketball coaches, same thing. Same thing in basketball, right? It's just, it's the same thing. You have to literally be exceptional at a certain point. But in the NFL, what we're seeing is you could be exceptional as hell, and it still doesn't matter. And that's the biggest slap in the face. Murph, I was so glad you said in the podcast. We got to clip that because that was perfect. The numbers are right there. And they don't care. That's the biggest thing. And that my message, the last thing I'll say is for the black coaches that Brian wants to see get on board, that the black players, y'all got to look at those numbers too. And y'all have to say, yo, it's so damning. And they're saying they don't give a damn about you. Right. And they're saying to you players on the field, well, you're going to run up and down the field and possibly get hurt. And you're going to want to take my money. You better take this money. When is enough going to be enough for us as black people, players and coaches, right. to say enough is enough? But this capitalist society, everybody's like, I don't want to mess up the bag. I don't want to mess up the bag. Man, they, it, I know in the lawsuit they said plantation and comparing it modern-day slavery and all that stuff, but... No, I'm not saying it's wrong. not true. I'm just saying, right. I'm just saying that it's, you know, it's rare that you see, you know, usually you stick to the facts and, and you know, the, the opinions are, are for other, right. other areas. But... No, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying, man. I mean, that's that's just that's just the truth of the deal. Um, and the players should feel like they have to do something because, like you just mentioned, like this is where – this is the pool of the future coaching ranks. This is where it comes from. Um, you know, so all these black players that are, you know, busting their ass, you know, putting their body through all this now, and then you want to – then you want to go and coach the sport that you love uh, when, when you finally hang it up. You're not going to have those opportunities. This is, the, you know, we see it right now. They're not going to they're not going to give you the same opportunities. So you need to you need to stick up for a guy like Flores and the, and the coaches who aren't getting a, a real shot. You need to stick up for them right now because it's going to come back. It's going to be you in a few years who's dealing with the same issues. And I remember talking to, you know, a women, a women's college basketball head coach about this. And she, and she broke it down perfectly, just saying, you know, it's almost like, you know, we spend we 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 give our complete body and soul to the sport for how many years whether it's through high school college then the pros and then when when we when we we try to become coaches and teach what we learn they just you know it's like they just don't care and they just throw us to the side so you're you're just being used you know physically and and that's it and when you're done you're done so i mean players have a definite reason why they should step up also they should, man. It's about time for everybody to stop being disposable. That is Jamal Murphy, also known as a black ontologist. Uh, you can catch his work on The Undefeated. Also catch him on The Bulls Pod with the legendary Bill Roden. I know you guys are going to be talking. I know Bill's going to have some stuff to say on this, as he always does. <laughs> yeah. So I know you guys are going to be talking about that for sure. And you can also catch him. He's a host, co-host of the Up Next Pod. Murph, thanks for joining us. We hope, uh, like Sam Cook said, a change is going to come, but I don't know if it's going to be soon. <laughs> hope so. Hope so. I hope so. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind. We got some good things to talk about this week. And we're both excited. Things we're excited about. 
Brian, obviously excited about a video game involving violence. And me, I'm excited about uh, <laughs> my one of my favorites, I'll say hip-hop groups, uh, getting a little bit of shine, a little bit of recognition that I would like to see. Brian, tell the people why you're excited about uh, the video game that I ended up sharing a link with you uh, earlier this week. Earlier this episode, I teased that uh, a major event, keep the camera on, Dex, major event occurred over the weekend, right? I have successfully, successfully secured Dr. Dre's phone and found the person needed to sort of amend all of this. So the storyline, the online, the contract is done. Got a lot of money for it. Fucking beautiful. And let me tell you something about this, Dex. Let me tell you something about this. Uh, And I need to pull up this document because my phone just died. But the Dr. Dre storyline, Grant that photo, it's very good. I must say, short, and it still pisses me off because we could have had GTA 6 by now. I feel like with all these fucking add-ons and shit. But look, very good. Very, very good. I got to say. And here's the thing that you get at the end. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played yeah, this Yeah, don't, you don't have to spoil it for the people. Spoiler alert, because you would find this part of it interesting, at least. You would. Music Probably game. not, but okay. In the game, there are Dr. Dre songs that are legitimate songs. And once you finish the mission, z, the missions, the entire story, you get the playlist of the Dre songs that quote-unquote leaked in the game as part of the story mode. And you get to ride around listen to the new Dr. Dre songs. And these songs right now are on Spotify, on a streaming service. They're actually real songs I went to check. There's a, there's five on Spotify. I think there's more in the game. There might be some exclusives that, had been, that I, hadn't I, come out yet. I, I, here's the thing. I will just go listen to it. Yo, but here's the thing, too. I think there's more. But here's the thing. But here's what I'm telling you. Those songs, oh, they're good. I've heard two of them already, and they were good. They were good. There's one with, there's one with, there's one with Anderson Pack. I heard. They're good. They're good. There's one with Anderson Pack that he performs with Anderson Pack. You're there in the studio session. See, unlike you, because you don't have GTA, I was no, actually I don't, I don't in the, the virtual studio session where it was being recorded. Why does this excite with, you so with, much? With, with, with character Anderson Pack oh and character Dr. Dre. After after a, a, a you long sound, shootout, you sound excited. You sound excited like the way I would if I actually was in the studio with real Anderson Pack and real Dr. Dre. Well, it, 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 it's COVID. Virtual man. experience of that. It's COVID. No, I mean? still, no, no. We can, we if they're vaxxed and we everybody we we can get this done. I'll get in the studio with them. I, I, I'll I'll be excited about that, but not no virtual GTA in the studio. I'll I would pass. hope they are. They got to perform at venues and shit. Anderson Pack. I think it's doing arenas with Bruno Mars or is about to. Well, they do a residency in Vegas, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Dre is about to do the Super Bowl. So, (laughs) you know, like, so I would hope so. But anyway, I say what I have to say. The one time for your mind is that Grand Theft Auto is confirmed and is coming out. Um, Rockstar says that they are going to, yeah, yeah. Rockstar says that they're going to, that they're in deep into the development and the game is pegged to arrive between 2024 and 2025 at some point. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to go into details, right? Like long details about this because y'all can just go look that up for yourselves. All I'm going to say is that, look, Red Dead Redemption took eight fucking years. GTA 5 came out and it was 2013 or whatever. 
and we're nine years later and now we're here in innocent development so we're probably yeah we're definitely not going to see this for like two three years i think it's going to be a race dex it's going to be between this and splinter cells what comes out first that's what i think i'm getting both games though i'm getting both games and i'm going to go course you are. crazy Hell of course yeah. you of course yeah. you are listen i i think i think people got to start understanding with gaming though when you're making and, and gta while i'm not a huge fan of it but like I do understand it's so it's open world. There's so much stuff you can do. They have all the online components. There's a level of detail that takes a lot to go with it. And I think that making these games at like the graphical resolution that we have now, where these games are in 4K and the frame rates are so beautiful and the motion capture is so great, these things take a lot of time, man. These things take a lot of work. Like it takes a lot of work. There was what seven years between Last of Us One and Two, which are two of my favorite games, and six. Six, right? It was well worth the wait. So, yeah, I, 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 I look. I'm sorry you got to wait so long. I know how anxious you are. I would pay money. I would say this. I would pay money to watch you play. Like, just get a camera on your face the first moments of you playing Splinter Cell or the new GTA Six when it comes out. You will be so happy. The excitement on your face. You'll be like a little kid on Christmas. I will absolutely be streaming Splinter Cell. GTA, uh, probably. Because by that time, I'm going to look. Different living situation, different setup. You know what I'm saying? We're talking. I'm going to be 30 in two years. Like, yeah, we're talking see, about. Yeah, we're see, talking. I, see, I, here's, something, here's something I feel like you have not experienced yet, but you're going to. Oh, and it's that. Don't, don't be scared. <laughs> it's going to be that you're going to realize. I think there's going to be a time you're going to realize, like, the shift of time that you have for gaming is going to change. You oh, probably, I, I'm you already probably, prepared for that. You've probably already seen it happen, yeah. but... Yeah, it's already I, happened. I, I feel, as, as somebody who's a parent, I feel like I just have gotten back into the shift oh, of being well, able well, to well, came. Well. I'm not... So, I will see. I knew you. I wasn't saying that. You, I'm just saying <laughs> how that time could come and there was even a shift. There's a shift as you get older and have to do more stuff for work. Like I was literally just talking about that. For you. I'm going. I was, I'm going. I'm going through. I, I mean, I've I've already experienced that to some degree, but then there's also going to be. Yes. We're not going to get into the, the, the personal the, the, details, this is right? But, like, but but you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and, other there's other things that shift in your life. Yes. Right. Last thing I would say on this: it's reported. This is an important detail that I should mention. It's reported that the location is going to be Miami. I don't like. I don't. I, I want to keep like looking into that, and I also want to wait and see. But you know, Vice City, Miami, like that's cool. I've always thought that, like, all right, you've done Miami, you've done New York City, and I'm going to complain about another game in New York City. You already know me, NYC all day, every day. Uh, you've done California, different parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to see a GTA in, you know, Chicago. I've thrown out there. I think that would be interesting. That'd be a good one. Or, you know, someplace in Texas, probably like Houston or Dallas or both. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Like I I would like to see that, uh, Chicago especially. Um, And I'm not even trying to make a joke there. I just think that it'd be a very cool place to like have a GTA take place. So Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be in some urban city because one thing GTA likes to do is (laughs) play up the stereotypes with uh, ethnic characters. I'll leave it at that, which is why I'm generally not a big fan of the game. But that's a... (laughs) That's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and then and then when I tell you that my GTA, look, I've I said this too. I, I the only thing I don't like, right? Not one. The only thing I don't like. I don't know why I'm getting so dramatic here, but one of the things I don't like is that like once you create a character in GTA, like to create another character means you actually have you actually have to build up that character like it's a fucking Pokemon character. Like you mm-hmm. have to actually like start from scratch. Like I can't take all my 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 weapons and xp and all this shit and convert it to somebody else 
So when I was 19, I made a character and the character's name was Quantrell. And uh, I've been rolling with Quantrell ever since. If I were able to do it over, I would have made like, you know, a little Mexican homie, you know what I'm saying? We in LA, we in Los Santos, so it's only right woman, perhaps, you know what I mean? But Quantrell. yes, for me, it's, it's been Quant Quantrell Bell, you know what I mean? Like, just kept it simple. Quantrell I was 19. Bell. I was 19, so yeah. This is why I do not play GTA, folks. This is why I do not play GTA at all. All right, my one time for your mindset is around hip-hop. Uh, just news came out. Eminem and A Tribe Called Quest will be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Talked about this uh, earlier. Jay-Z uh, got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Still waiting for Nas. Don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but I am really excited. Not, I'm going to be honest. I'm not particularly excited about Eminem going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm definitely excited about a Tribe Called Quest going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For me, Tribe is uh, very important. They are one of, I would say, my first loves in hip-hop, just their sound. I think it would be nice to see those guys as a group get up there. Obviously, the late uh, Five Dog will not be able to be up there to get that award. But to see them get in just because of how revolutionary their sound was, mixing the jazz with hip-hop, Q-Tip as a producer, not even just as a rapper, to get on there. They're one of my favorite groups of all time. Um, I could go back and forth between them, the Roots, uh, Outkast, but I love Tribe. Tribe is a special place. I think this is a recognition that's long overdue. We're starting to see more hip-hop acts get enrolled in the Rock, rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I am not one that necessarily cares or feels like the we as minorities and the things that we create for our music absolutely need and have to be in white spaces. I'm not necessarily that person. But I do think it's a great honor if they are honored right within those spaces. And I do think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been doing a better job of doing that and honoring people in those spaces. Eminem came out actually uh, in a great tribute medley that they had to LL Cool J and performed with him in the last one. So that was good. Um, I think there are also some, you know, should be noted there's other artists and music that's going in. Beck, Dolly Parton, Dionne Warwick, uh, the legend Rage Against the Machine, legendary band. Um, the inductees are going to be announced in May with a ceremony later this year. But Tribe goes in. Like, I watched the Jay-Z induction. I watched the LL induction. Um, those are fantastic. And the people around them that did it. So I'm and I, I'm definitely watching uh, Tribe when, they, when they're inducted. It's going to be great for me. And, you know, Tribe, man, on an award yeah. tour. About to get yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. So that should, that should be fun. See, I didn't have to talk about video games, man, or what I'm excited for. Shooting, shooting people up. This man talking about... He got money and is chilling in the studio after a shootout. That's the kind of game you... What, what? I mean, I can judge myself for other games. I'm going around killing people in Last of Us. There's a lot of violence in that. So oh, I, I, that, that, that was yes, more... That it's was probably more, more violent. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. about that before I said that. I said, well, Brian can get on me for that. I can't really say anything. I mean, I, I like really it too, but shit. That shit, is more, that shit is like methodical violence. Like Yo, re real quick before we get out of here, just a quick, super quick mention on it. Brian and I talked about this last week before we talked about Keith Thurman and his return to the ring. Oh, uh, watch, watch this fight. I just real quick, I want to say I thought he was impressive uh, against Barry. Oh, you got thought, to see it. All right. I got good. to see it. I thought he was focused. Yeah, I had to sleep real quick, so I didn't text you after. I thought he was focused, um, and it was an impressive return to the ring. We'll see after a two-year was a two -year layoff be. Uh, it was an impressive year, two and a half year, year layoff. <laughs> Almost a thousand days, they were saying. Days. We'll talk some more boxing, but you were impressed with him too, right? I know that real quick. You were impressed with him. He boxed beautifully for most of the night. He won. I thought he won almost all 12 rounds, and I think the rounds that he lost, it wasn't like he like lost the rounds. It's just like he kind of chilled a little bit, didn't do that much. But I thought he looked great. And the aggression 
was like what stood out to me because what you sort of saw toward at the tail end before he got on the, the sabbatical, if you want to call it that, or just the layoff, he was moving around a lot and things of that nature and not really like, not really being the aggressor that we saw early on. He sort of drifted away from that. Well, yesterday he clearly wanted to send a message because he was being super aggressive and was actually, you know, trying to take Mario Barrios out and look like, and I thought he fought a great fight. Someone noted to me, that was really interesting because they used 10 ounce gloves instead of eight. And had they used eight ounce gloves, it's possible that he probably would have knocked them out. Like he was clearly going for it. Um, I'm still, you know, wait, we'll wait and see what's going to happen. But that was, it's, it's, it's important to note that that's a WBC title eliminator, right? WBC title eliminator. So he's going to get a title shot next, be it the WBC title or whatever. Like you would think it's going to be the WBC champion, but boxing just, Boxing, you know yes, what I'm saying? Boxing, like boxing will be, well, boxing. Well, so yeah. what I, what I, if we're fantasy matchups right here, just to wrap this up, Dex. The top three welterweights right now, the champions are Errol Spence, your Dennis Ugas, yes. and Terrence um, Crawford. Terrence Crawford, yep. Those are the three. So two of y'all fight each other, and the other one fights Keith Thurman, and then the winners fight each other. How fucking simple is that? Yeah, but you you said it Terrence Crawford, and here's the thing. The business can happen now because Keith Thurman, PBC. Ugas, PBC. Uh, 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 Errol Spence, PBC. And Terrence Crawford is a free agent. Not with top rank. So let's go. Let's go. Except you said said it about 45 seconds ago. Boxing will be boxing. (laughs) Uh, On on that note, we will be closing. That's it for this episode of A Hotel Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at HTP Podcast. Like this podcast, leave us a comment on YouTube, leave us a nice rating or review. If you uh, want to advertise, to at a, uh, A-H-T-T podcast at gmail.com. That's important you, to know. We're going to start putting that on the on the ticker here. Yes, you, can, you can do yes. that. And uh, be sure to check out our promotion with prize picks. Use the code BACKPACK to have your first deposit matched up to $100. Do that and rock with us in that. For Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Hurry. Until next time, y'all, where we hope maybe another black uh, NFL head coach will be hired or not. They'll just continue to be racist. Mm. Until that next time, whenever that happens, peace.